all normies and outcasts, welcome for this week's episode on the GLG. So, we conjured up some great content on our last venture through the creative mind of Tim Burton. So in this episode, we're going to shine some moonlight on the most recent Burton project, Netflix's Wednesday, her kooky spooky family, and our most red, uh, black, spoiler alert to date. So, whoa, this episode is sure to have you raving. Hang around. Welcome back to this year's final outing to the pop culture winter wonderland. This is where we like to make some fun, low-key content that people can engage with while they're on break or just during very busy times of the year. Stuff that's anchored in the world of pop culture connections that we really, really enjoy making, but also related to some really entertaining pop culture topics. And this one is sure to be no exception. And you all know how much we love our games. So for this particular episode and all of our Winter Wonderlands, we play a game called Six Degrees of Education, where we take highlights or concepts, characters, ideas from pop culture, whether those be TV shows, movies, music, and we make connection to our world of education, teaming, and leadership. And this time, both of our norms really do have a role to play in this particular episode. First and foremost, 20 minutes, you guys. (laughs) Let's do it. Hey, we did it last time, mostly. I mean, we made 20 minutes, and then we have the game. The game within the game. Yeah. But we can do it. So we're going to do 20 minutes. That keeps us on our toes, keeping this brief. And then our second one, this really does apply that spoilers will, in fact, be a thing with this topic. However, we can honestly say that we haven't seen the whole season, right, y'all? I am the only one who has seen all eight episodes of Wednesday on Netflix. And nor has Emily. Me neither. I am on episode five. (laughs) So So, limited spoilers, but Casey could very much. So. Oh, I will yeah. very much be spoiling. A Not great too much for Emily and number. I, though. Because we can't we all mute. Signed up uh, you can take off your headphones. Okay, well, then you earmuff. You got to okay. earmuff us when you're ready to say something. Yeah, I don't want like, to That said, this show is so enjoyable. It is so much fun. I am absolutely going to finish it. And let's jump into some connections. But before we do, Casey, would you mind running it down for those who are not as familiar with Wednesday as even those two or five episodes in? So the show on Netflix Wednesday is actually a spinoff of the Adams Family. I'm going to call it franchise. And it really does exemplify what we've come to know about Tim Burton, but also represents this coming of age story where Wednesday goes to a new school that is more aligned with her outlook on life, but it's Hogwarts for creepy kids, including sirens, including medusas, werewolves, etc. It's a combination of high school drama meets Scooby-Doo mystery meets supernatural slash violence. So it's a great, great series and has an amazing cast of characters and a mystery that is sure to puzzle and thrill its audiences. So jumping into some connections, let's get moving. The first one we'd like to talk about is a duo here, and this is the Roommates Wednesday and Enid. So what can we say about them as a duo? One of the other things that I love, and we'll get to this later, is both Wednesday and Enid are roommates in Ophelia Hall together. And their styles, their personalities could not be more different. But yet you find out later they they don't want to live apart. 
as much as they disagree and as much as they rub each other the wrong way sometimes, they don't want to live at Nevermore without each other. And to me, this reminds me of a high-functioning co-teaching partnership, right? They bring out the best in each other. They challenge each other. And ultimately, once you have a co-teaching partnership that really is both complementary and team-focused, everyone's able to let their strengths shine through, that's the connection that I'm able to make with Enid and Wednesday. I like that you uh, made a connection to a past episode. I think there's some bonus points of some sort in there for you there. The connection I would make is actually about the importance of being vulnerable. Because the reason that despite this initial hatred and even like literally a willingness to threaten death on each other when they first start hanging out, they're not getting along at all. And Enid's going to scratch Wednesday and Wednesday is going to smother Enid. It's just like a nightmare. But what gets them to eventually connect is when they're out on that balcony and Enid is crying and Wednesday actually opens up and is as vulnerable as Wednesday Adams is capable of being in telling the story of her late pet scorpion and what happened with those bullies and why she doesn't cry. And I think that they both in their own way found a little bit of shared vulnerability there, which led to connection, which led to trust. And I think that we need to remember that as people who like to, as coaches, build trust with people, remembering to be fallible and vulnerable and open to making and owning our own mistakes and real human feelings, that's a good thing for everybody when we try to connect. And for me, I'm thinking balance, whether that's systemically or that's as a co-teaching pair, as you mentioned, Casey, or that's even in lesson planning, you need to balance the light with the dark or the peanut butter with the jelly or whatever it may be to provide depth and balance in ecosystems. So the story of Wednesday, she needs somebody to balance her out. And so there's some teeth to the story because there's somebody that is so unlike her and that goes with everything we do from work too. You want to surround yourself with people that are not always thinking the same way as you or that are going to challenge you. So that's balance in relationships, partnerships, people, and also, like I said, in systems. Yes, it actually makes me think of that that window that's mm-hmm. like half black and white and half colorful mm-hmm. and you're so like yeah. perfectly divided down the middle. It's so well balanced. Good job. Okay, so next one, we want to discuss the secret society, the nightshades. So what do we have there? If you remember from the series, the nightshades started when Morticia and her husband, Gomez, what's, what's, Gomez, thank you. When both of them were at Nevermore, and it was initially set up to protect Nevermore, similar to what Dumbledore's army was in Hogwarts. But by the time Wednesday goes through, it's sort of lost that purpose. The kids just started the secret society. They go hang out together. They don't really stand for much other than it's just a click. And this reminds me of a very low functioning team, right? Where they really have lost their purpose. They've lost their why. And it's really important for a team to focus on that and determine why are we gathering together? Otherwise, a PLC is just mandated time you have to spend with a group. So that's the connection that I was able to make. It's interesting that you say that, Casey, because, and this is going to show you how I I haven't seen the whole season all the way through. And so where I'm at in the part of the season 
is, you know, it's a secret society in the books that she's finding and reading some of the history that you mentioned, Casey, between Morticia and Gomez. And I was thinking of mentorship, or I was thinking of what you can learn from others that have gone before you and reaching out and being open to learning and asking those questions and learning the legacy and learning the history behind things to help you grow in your own professional goals or passions or whatever that might be. Now, Casey, you know the whole season through, so perhaps, as you're saying, like it might be dysfunctional or the nightshades might not be exactly where you would want to be for a good mentorship relationship. That's where my head went first. But still, you have to have that purpose. And that's ultimately when Wednesday riles up the nightshades at the end of the series to be of service, that's where you really see the power of that group and what they have learned through the library that they've had access to. So I think there's place for both. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to draw the connecting line here because what I saw the nightshades as being as an example of middle leadership. So the leadership of the school is the staff. When you think of middle leadership, it's usually those who don't have any real legitimate power in the system, but still are able to have influence on others and make moves or make things happen in their own right. And like you said, that can be dysfunctional if there's not a clear vision or a clear understanding of why or a clear alignment with what the overall systemic goals are, or if they're having issues with how they communicate or how they treat people, which I think you could say all of the above with nightshades. However, when it's done well, this middle leadership can really support and like you said, have a great influence in protecting and upholding what it stands for. So I think nightshades is just depending on what direction the wind is blowing, middle leadership, good or bad. So the next one is two things that go a little bit hand in hand due to some similarities, but we have the monster, the hide, and the concept that is often mentioned, particularly in the context of Enid, of wolfing out. So what connections can we draw there? Spoilers. When Tyler... Earmuffs! 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 Ah! Earmuffs! (laughs) When Tyler turns into the hide or reactivates that part of himself, you Emily's face is she just found out now that he's the high. I'm making no face. Oh no. (laughs) He's reacting to a situation. He's reacting to the orders that have been given to him. Same thing when Enid finally wolfs out for the first time. She is reacting to wanting to protect her friends, the people that she really views as family given the unfortunate family situation that she has. And so to me, this actually represents a reactive leadership style. If we're constantly being in a reactive place, when it comes to leading the people that we work with, we can create a lot of damage. And you see that even when Enid comes out of her battle, she's essentially scarred and broken and as heroic as it was, you could see it took its toll on her. And so to me, this represents why we want to build our systems and invest in people so we can be as proactive in our work as we can instead of reactive. We're at a loss for words now. This is the first time we've ever done an episode where we've like legit spoiled it for two thirds of us. Holy crap. (laughs) Sorry, we said spoilers. All right, so who's going next, Emily or me? We know what we're signing up for. Sorry, I'm just processing. (laughs) 
So when you think about the hide, uh, apparently, whomever that may be, (laughs) (laughs) and um, the concept of wolfing out, we have to consider the idea of the factors uh, that are within the scope of our control. A lot of times we try to help people understand what is within their ability to control and what is not. And it seems to me like this isn't really what Tyler wants for himself, whereas it seems like Enid really does. And neither of them is really completely in control of that situation. From what I'm hearing from Casey, it sounds like we're acting under orders or duress or problematic situations that cause them to transform in this way. There's only so much that anybody can control, even if it is something that you very much want to. So it is tricky and hard when things get stressful and you want to control every aspect of everything. But unfortunately, there are always a little bit of hide or wolf out in every scenario that we face. And we have to learn what we can and can't be in full control of. My connection is rather limited in its vantage point, obviously. And so at the point that we had written this, I had not known who the hide was. But then I had, Casey didn't spoil it for me, but I had read it. And so I really had more of a connection to the wolfing out concept than the hide. However, I know they go hand in hand. And so for the wolfing out, I was just thinking of Enid where she was before she was able to become her full authentic self as a wolf. And back to that, Emily, you were mentioning where they got vulnerable, both her and Wednesday on the balcony there Mm -hmm. and how the wolfing out made me think of the pack mentality and she wasn't able to be a part of her pack they're not normies in the outcast sense but there is a pack mentality within that and so she was still an outcast of the outcasts this is going to go into another connection that we'll talk about so i don't want to go too deeply here but it's important to have a group it's important to have a guild but when we turn it into that reactive pack mentality where it may not be healthy is where we just need to be walking a fine line of what's healthy and productive and what's toxic. Well put. So we're going to keep moving in light of our time limit here. It comes in one of the middle episodes of the season and it involves them going to the rave in dance. And (laughs) during this, they play the song Goo Goo Muck and Wednesday just does what Wednesday does there. So let's make some (laughs) connections. Casey, you just need to keep going first. Go for it, my friend. Do the thing. Okay, all right. So this to me is going to break the fourth wall a little bit. So in the research I have done, and just because this is one of the few shows my husband and I can actually watch together, anything in this spooky, supernatural genre. It's sure not Hallmark. (laughs) No. Right. (laughs) So you see Jenna Ortega talk about in interviews, the fact that she was responsible, put in charge of choreographing this dance and she completely forgot about it. And so two days before, they were supposed to shoot she is choreographing this thing and she actually started coming down with covid symptoms so she had to film this while being sick while just choreographing it the night before and to me this whole situation is reminiscent of the struggle or the plight of the day-to-day teacher that they're put in really, really challenging situations, having to show up for work, even if you're not feeling well, even if you've just had a parent yell at you or send you a terrible email and you still have to go teach your classes the next period. And we make it work, token back to our very first season with the make it work mindset, but eventually that system is not sustainable. And I think that's where we are right now as a profession with so many of us leaving and bowing out. So to me, that's a connection. It worked out in this instance, but 
if Jenna had to do that a number of other times, you would see things fall apart. That's so interesting. I didn't know any of the trivia mm -hmm. uh, surrounding that moment, but that is wild considering what a great job she did. So that is awesome. And further testament to what our teachers are capable of. What I was going to say for that was the idea of, and we've all probably seen somebody do this at some point or another, where you take a couple of practices or you take a couple of concepts and you mix or remix them or put them together. One of the things I had seen was a side-by-side -side screen cap of the original TV show, Wednesday Adams Dancing, and Jenna Ortega put one of those moves in there. If you look at the side-by-side, -side, she captures it completely. So she took little elements of other dances. She's doing her own thing. And throughout, she never stopped being full Wednesday. In that moment, everybody really seems to appreciate Wednesday for like who she is and what she's doing. Like she has not got universal popularity at Nevermore, but the people that whose lives she has entered at that point and who are intrigued by her are much more intrigued by her in that moment because she cuts loose a little bit. She does that by really combining a lot of different elements together and adopting it and making it her own as so many teachers do in their instructional practices to great effect. So, Yeah, and to tap into that a little bit more, Emily, I'm thinking of the concept of identity and back to the concept of what I was previously talking about with pack mentality. What I love about this is that she remains true to herself She's weird. She's awkward. She's the only one dressed differently. If you look in that scene, everyone is wearing the same color except for her. She's in her black garb where everybody else is wearing white or some version of that. And so in leadership or in your own instructional practice in the classroom or even as students, when you're learning, you want to be weird. You want to be awkward. You want to be authentically you because... Any other version of that is not the true version of yourself. That is just a really encouraging way to think about and why I, I love Wednesday's character in general is because it shows, Casey, you talked about it. It's a coming of age story. Yes, she's coming of age, but yes, she's also her and she knows who she is and she's going to be who she is in, in all things. She's not going to just do like a, a flash mob dance with everybody. She's going to be her through and through. Nope. Well put. All right. So the next one we're going to look at is the, I would say, incredibly portrayed Principal Weems by Gwendolyn Christie of Game of Thrones fame. So what connections can we make there? Oh, I love Principal Weems. Great, great character. Sorry, friends. Spoilers. Take off your headphones now. To me, <laughs> Principal <laughs> Weems exemplifies what Zaretta Hammond calls a warm demander. You are able to make personal connections with your students. When they tell you something, you believe them, which is why she ultimately makes a sacrifice at the end of the show following Wednesday's lead, but ultimately has really high expectations. She will kick Wednesday out if she treads over that final line that she draws in the sand. And so when we're talking about building positive relationships with students, especially our students who maybe are of color or are neurodivergent, you really do need to have that personal connection, know what they need, know what the expectations are, and being that high support and high accountability person for them. I'm torn because I'm not sure where I fall with how I feel about her yet where I am in this season. I see her as she's micromanaging a lot. There is a little bit of do we trust her? Don't we trust her? 
Is she abusing mm-hmm. her power? Isn't she? And I'm also torn a little bit because I, I also like her. I get some real Rebecca from Ted Lasso vibes from her too. Just like a boss mm-hmm. lady in control yeah. of the situation. Somebody you want to emulate and look up to. So I'm really torn. I don't really know what to feel about her yet. And Casey, you know, you gave her the rundown of it looks like she goes to the side of light rather than dark or good rather than evil. But where I'm at now, I just don't know yet. Everything that she does is for the betterment of the mission and vision of Nevermore. So really, you find out later the extent she goes Mm -hmm. to in order to protect the students in the school and what the school is supposed to be and stands for. And that goes a little bit to saying sometimes when you're looking to a leader, it's not all what it looks like on the outside. There's so Mm -hmm. many other elements to the story that you may not know. And when you don't have the whole story, it's really easy to judge or say, hey, I could do this better. But do you have all of the pieces? Do you really know the whole story yet? And so currently, I don't know the whole story yet on her. I'm going to give her a little grace. I'm kind of in the middle of the journey with Principal Weems as well. And you more or less have already touched on it. My connection was just going to be the general concept of leadership and the many directions and looks that can take. There's elements of toxicity when you consider how she lets her past uh, baggage with Morticia and Mm -hmm. Gomez leak into her interactions and actions. I don't think that that's necessarily the most professional way to handle things. But on the flip side, it sounds like she does really have a solid core vision and really works works to the betterment and education and protection of these outcast students that she serves. So mm-hmm. again, not to be gray area all the time, but I think that's one of the things this show does so well is all mm-hmm. of these people are a little bit off and they all have their flaws, but they're all also so interesting to watch. I adore her portrayal of it, but it's just mm-hmm. in general, a leader, an imperfect leader, trying to do their thing as far as I'm concerned and apparently more interesting scenes to follow. She's a joy to watch. Can't wait. All right. So last one, let's try to make it a quick one since we're kind of already over the line. Mm -hmm. So speed round for this one. This one, I touched on it when we were talking about the dancing with Guguma, but nostalgia and Easter eggs. We grew up in the 90s with the Adams family. So I'm just going to keep rolling Mm -hmm. with this one. Sorry, Casey. Usurper. (laughs) Love it. Go for it. With this, you look at the importance of framing learning. So Mm -hmm. we've talked about this before with Stranger Things as well. I don't even think that was the connection I made, but I digress. (laughs) When you talk about the importance of framing learning, you try to get familiar concepts or familiar ideas and bring them back around. Like, for instance, look at the fact that Christina Ricci is a main cast member of Mm -hmm. this show. And she portrayed our Wednesday Adams, those of us who grew up in the 90s, like she was our Wednesday. But now she is the teacher in the school with the what's her name with the plants? Mrs. Thornhill. Yes, Mrs. Thornhill. So yeah, it's just this little nugget of familiarity for those of us who grew up with this version of the Adams family. And then there, like I mentioned, there's that original Wednesday Adams Wednesday dance showing up in Goo Goo Muck, like little Easter eggs going back to like every other little past iteration of the Adams family. And it's nice to consider that these mm-hmm. past iterations coming through can bring some clarity and fun connections to make in the new learning, which is the new plot of this show. And to me, I'm going to sum it up with retrieval practice. This is going to be one of the upcoming episodes that we're going to be talking about because I don't think we've talked about retrieval practice yet on our podcast, but giving students time and space to recall the information, the new learning that they've obtained. A couple of things that I just love, the lit nerd in me loves all the references to Edgar Allan Poe throughout this 
yes. series. So good. Um, not just the previous references to the Adams family with the snap being the passcode. To me, taps into that story aspect of your brain that really does make you want to continue watching to see what else you could see. And so retrieve a practice. Love it. And before I do mine, I have to see if this one works. Here's an Easter egg. You guys ready? Yeah, I knew it. So that was another Easter egg. So they put that in there. Just they had to have the two snaps in there. But for mine, the power of creative referencing or citating, Casey, like you mentioned, that is there's so much in there that's really Mm -hmm. cool. And we do that within our lesson planning, how powerful that makes it, whether it's for retrieval practices or framing the learning. It shows that you have depth as an educator. And it also just helps in the engagement. So let's even bring back our engagement episode. When you can put some of that stuff in there, it really adds to the layers. Again, the depth that makes it a piece of art it makes your lesson Mm -hmm. planning like it is a craft and so when you really are able to embed those in there that's pretty cool Ooh, so nice to finish with future and past episode connections just like nostalgia and easter eggs itself so meta all right (laughs) game time game time casey you want to run us through this game Good, good. Yep. We're going to do a squiggle story. So if you listened to our previous episode, Talk Nerdy to Me with Dana Ladenberger on sketchnoting, we played a game that's essentially a squiggle story. So I gave Emily and Jenny a squiggle, asked them to create an Adams Family themed image, and to tell us a one sentence summary elevator pitch of that story featuring their drawing. So let's go ahead and start. The most pathetic shall go first, (laughs) and that shall be me. So this is my image. I kind of turned our squiggle on its side. And this is a story of Enid's wolf out. So over the summer, we know that Enid is a blogger. She captures and records the shenanigans of her family and her neighborhood and explores her new wolf out identity. So that is my squiggle. Her wolf mouth is. She's open. looking a little cray cray. <laughs> right. She's wolfing she's out. coming to yeah. terms. You going next, Jenny? Sure. I will go next. Pathetic. We'll find out. So, <laughs> no, let's do Jenny's last because for all of our listeners out here, Jenny was adamant that we really give her as much time as possible. So she had an opportunity to really excel in this game <laughs> after a string Redemption. of not ideal performance. <laughs> so let's withhold the redemption right. story that is Jenny's wiggle. Emily, no you're next. Okay, so this is going to be a little self-referential too, but I actually, in that squiggle, I can see the dress of a one Morticia Adams, if you follow the neckline, and only Morticia would wear a neckline like that. Yeah. What you're going to see here is that Emily Coakland cannot draw hands, and so, (laughs) sorry, Morticia Adams is flipping. No, she's flipping the bird. (laughs) Here, let's zoom in on that. Oh, she sure is. So anyways, Morticia has tried to take the Adams family out to eat at a restaurant and they were declined service and (laughs) she's flipping out and giving the bird. She's not having it. Adams family deserves to be served just like anyone else. Sorry. So yeah, she looks mad also. That's hard to follow. She's not having it. She looks fabulous fabulous. Thanks. I'm pretty impressed. Okay, so here's mine. I have a can you see that? There's a glare. Oh, the plant. Yes, it is a carnivorous plant. It is Miss Thornhill's BFF Venus fly snap ah. snap. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. And it's got all the teeth and a fly in there ready to eat it. 
What's the story? Well, Mrs. Thornhill doesn't have many friends. Most of the teachers Mm -hmm. don't really accept her. And she's so lonely that she has to make friends with her plants. And this one is her favorite. And it's got the snap snap. Nice. Casey's not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just the story that was lacking. The image is great. Uh, We all know that I am the clarified butter. I'm not the story creator. All right, so we vote right. on a winner. Is that what we did? What we vote did last on a winner, week? I think. Yeah, this could be contentious. All right. Mm-hmm. I personally love the idea and agree that Morticia would flip people yes. off if her family yes. was getting poor service. So my vote goes to Emily. Emily. Is two? I will give her my vote as well, and that makes her two and zero oh on this game. <laughs> she is the reigning Dang. champion. What does she win, Veach? She wins 14 carnivorous plants and one sexual fern. (laughs) (laughs) If you know what that means, you know. (laughs) For what it's worth, Jenny, I was going to vote for the carnivorous plant. And I like that you got the snap snap in there. So very, very good. All right. So happy new year and happy new semester and happy easing back into the flow of your regular schedule from the Grounded Learners Guild. We've really had fun bringing you pop culture winter wonderland content. And we're looking forward to getting back to our regular formats and bringing some longer length episodes with content to you in 2023. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget... In the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.